epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Donald Trump stepped off a plane in Scotland and made a vow to build the greatest golf course the world had ever seen. Well, it's beautiful now. When I finish with it, it will be more beautiful. There's no piece of land like this anywhere in the world. But today, many here see the project as a failure. He didn't deliver or come anywhere near delivering eh, on the promises and commitments he made. Welcome to The Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. You just heard an excerpt from Bernie Goldberg's 2016 report on then-presidential nominee Donald Trump and controversy surrounding his golf course in Aberdeen, Scotland. At the time we ran that story, it was something of an anomaly because for all of his controversies in politics, the game of golf has really been a safe haven for Trump. The sport has typically greeted him with open arms. He owns many golf courses around the world and has poured millions of dollars into golf. But five years later, that messy situation in Scotland seems to have been a preview of things to come. Not just a presidential term mired in controversy, but a Trump golf enterprise that is now facing a reckoning. Because as Trump leaves office, it appears the golf industry might be looking to move on from him too. You're about to hear that full 2016 report, which details the chaos surrounding Trump's course in Aberdeen. And afterwards, stick around, because I'll be joined by author and golf writer John Feinstein to talk about the new wave of problems plaguing Trump's golf business as he prepares for life after the White House. But first, here's Bernie Goldberg's 2016 Real Sports Report. Perhaps you've seen him on television. You know, the man who says he's going to make America great again? He's the no-nonsense billionaire who promises to save our country. But that you already know. What you may not know is that this isn't the first country Donald Trump made that promise to, or how his other promises turned out. Donald Trump stepped off a plane in Scotland and made a vow to build the greatest golf course the world had ever seen. He had found 1,400 pristine acres in the town of Aberdeen, a majestic stretch of coastline along the North Sea, untouched for thousands of years. And that's where he told me he would pick up where the other creator left off. 
Well, it's beautiful now. When I finish with it, it will be more beautiful. There's no piece of land like this anywhere in the world for creating what I call the world's greatest golf course. So what's it going to look like? We will have a hotel. We will have a clubhouse. We will have housing and things. But as far as the land itself, it'll look exactly as it looks right now, but better. And Trump said that wasn't all he would create here. What we were promised was billions of dollars and thousands of jobs. At the time, Alex Salmon was the head of the Scottish government, the first minister of parliament. And when he heard Trump's plans, he got on board. I thought they were a good idea. You were one of his big supporters. I, I supported the investments, yes, because they were good for Scotland, as I saw it. More than anyone, it was Salmon who rallied the country to back the Trump plan. We can see the, the social and economic benefits. I mean, 6,000 jobs across Scotland. He convinced enough political bigwigs and more than enough of the locals. You know about the Donald Trump project? Yes. What do you think? It's absolutely a must for Aberdeen, for the people of Aberdeen. Is it a good idea, do you it's think? Excellent idea. Of course, let him do it. I'm 100% behind him. That was then. Today, after a decade of dealing with Donald Trump, Salmon and a lot of other Scots say they made a mistake, that they were seduced by Trump's promises, that he talked big but didn't deliver, not on the jobs he promised or the billions he said he would invest. And on top of that, he came to be known as a brash, loudmouth bully who tried to intimidate those who stood in his way. What's his image in Scotland today? Oh, dreadful. <laughs> Sub-zero. Uh, Donald couldn't get elected the dog catcher. Well, forgive me for telling you what you already know, but he's the front runner on the Republican side in America. Yes, you know, it's not really for us to determine whether America elects a Democrat or Republican, a left-winger, a right-winger. I mean, that's up to the, the people of America. Uh, but a choice between sanity and insanity, uh, that's something else entirely. And if we're talking about sanity and insanity, you would put him... Not in the same spectrum. Let's start at the beginning. It's 2008, and the Donald is buying pieces of land in Aberdeen to turn them into fairways. But then he ran into this man, Michael Forbes, a local fisherman whose family had lived on a farm here for generations, smack in the middle of where Trump wanted to build his golf course. To Trump, the place was a dump, littered with tractors and equipment and spare tires. But to Forbes, this was home. He thought he can come up here and just buy everything, you know, just offer somebody a stupid money and they'd sell it. Oh, yes, Mr. Trump, yes, Mr. Trump, yes, you can have it, you know. <laughs> ah, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. No. What's your price? That's what Donald Trump thought. Everybody had a price. No, I haven't got a price. Let's get realistic here. If Donald Trump came up in his big limousine now mm -hmm. with bags full of money yeah. and said, here's $5 million, yeah. you would say? Shove it. <laughs> Why do I think you really mean this? Oh, I mean it all right. <laughs> so Trump tried Plan B, arguing that Michael Forbes's farm was in such bad shape that it should forcibly be taken from him, for a price, by the government. But Plan B didn't work either. What was his reaction when you said to him, no, I'm not going to confiscate Mr. Forbes's property so you can use it for your golf course? 
Well, it was a, a sort of puzzled reaction. Why on earth not? Uh, it was almost as if there was no rational reason why this possibly <laughs> could be an obstacle in his way, that the, you know, the greater Trump golf course was obviously more important than anyone else's mere house or home. Secure in his home, Forbes decided to go head-to-head -head with Trump. He decided, you ready for this, to make his farm an even bigger eyesore, just so he could ruin the view at Trump's future golf course. You might have cleaned it I up. I might have done, but not now. Yeah. Huh? I'll gather up some more rubbish eh, and let him see that. You're threatening to make it even nastier. Oh, I'm not threatening. I'm promising. <laughs> even his sweetest kidney pie mum got upset. She told us Trump was not just full of himself, but also full of something else. Crap. What? <laughs> Did you say crap? Crap. Have you ever used yes. that kind of language on anybody else before? No. I don't swear and I don't call anybody names, but Donald Trump makes you. And soon other locals were joining the rebellion, like Mickey Foote, whose property would look out over the golf course and the condos and the houses and the luxury hotel. This is a piece of country that you couldn't replace. That's why he came here, because it's a beautiful piece of country. So why does he want to shit all over it? Trump would be transforming some of Aberdeen's majestic and unspoiled 4,000-year-old sand dunes and making them part of his golf course. Dunes that were considered so precious by the government that they were designated a special site of scientific interest. That left Mickey Foote and other environmentalists livid. He says he's going to save the dunes. He says these dunes have been here for 4,000 years. They haven't needed saving yet, Bernie. Foote said Trump was selling a bill of goods he'd never deliver on using his bluster and celebrity to hoodwink the locals. They dream they're going to be in the jacuzzi with Tiger Woods. They're going to be bumping into Johnny Depp on Union Street. Sean Connery's going to have an apartment here. All Donald's friends are going to come and buy real estate here. That's bullshit. He knows that. Even if they're here, the guy down, down in town isn't ever going to hang out with them. No. They drive past it in the morning to go to work. They drive past it in the evening. The only difference it's going to make, there's going to be a fucking great tower with a T on the top of it. But even as the natives grew restless in Scotland, back at his castle in New York, the king wasn't worried. Certainly not about the pesky Michael Forbes, who still had no plans to move just so Donald Trump could build his golf course. Bernie, let's see what happens. You watch. <laughs> what does that mean? You'll find out. Let's see what happens. Now look, if a meteor falls out of the sky and lands on his head, you better have an alibi that day. Bernie, let's see what happens. It's a long-term saga. Okay. I've had many people over the years that have opposed me. And you know what? They end up being my best friend. Are you suggesting that someday Michael Forbes and you might be buddies? That's possible. I've had stranger things happen. Well, it didn't turn out that way. When we checked in on things three years later in 2011, Trump had nearly finished his golf course just as he had promised, but he hadn't won over Michael Forbes, who said the course had driven out wildlife that had lived there for thousands of years. Trump says, oh, but the wildlife will come back. How can he come back? There's nothing here for him to come back to. Forbes' home was now surrounded by the golf course and decorated with anti-Trump slogans. We will never be friends. Never. Ever. Can't stand the man. In fact, he's not a man, he's a baby. 
But Trump himself was quite pleased with the course and even came up with a not-so-surprising name for it. It will be called Trump International Golf Links. I'm shocked. You're, you're putting your name on me. Well, I've decided to do that after great, great thought. <laughs> it was only 2011, but there were already rumors that Trump might one day run for president. And he said his golf course showed voters he knew how to get things done. You can never quit. You can never stop. You can never give up. So we shouldn't look at this and say, here's a guy who couldn't convince Michael Forbes to do something. How the hell is he going to convince the Chinese to do something? Well, Bernie, you have to look at it a little more positively than that. Michael Forbes and everybody else opposed what I was doing. Right. And I'm 12 months away from opening the greatest golf course anywhere in the world. I had a total and complete victory. Except for one small detail. The growing anti-Trump resentment had turned into all-out war. You're in litigation. Who are you suing? We're suing essentially Scotland. Nobody sues a country. We are. We're suing a country. We're doing very well. And I think I'm doing a great service for that country. The country, of course, wasn't so sure about that. Trump was fighting Scotland's plan to create clean energy by building these giant windmills in the waters off of his golf course and threatening to pull the plug on his entire investment and all those jobs if the country didn't back down. They are so unattractive, so ugly, so noisy, and so dangerous that if Scotland does this, I think Scotland will be in serious trouble. These windmills are as tall as Trump Tower. That's like a massive skyscraper coming out of Aberdeen Bay. They make noise. They create shadows. Well, listen, they say this is going to provide energy for 68,000 homes. I've built a masterpiece, and I don't want to see the masterpiece destroyed or even hurt by these terrible things. The environmentalists love the windmill idea, but this time they weren't alone in their fight against Trump. His longtime supporter, Alex Salmon, backed the windmills too. What was his reaction to you about your decision? Well, I went from hero to zero. I went from the, the greatest first minister that Scotland was ever likely to see to, to be Mad Alec. And I, I think the tragedy is that, that for Donald, as well as for everyone else, that if somebody had said no to him, perhaps when he was five years old or a toddler, then perhaps his uh, emotional development would have uh, progressed uh, as, as that of most of us does. Of course, there was one local who didn't mind the idea of windmills in his backyard. Guess who? If it pisses off Trump, I'm really delighted. <laughs> Anything he hates, I love. I hope he sees him from every angle he's standing in. By now, it was five years into Michael Forbes's rebellion, and he'd gone from anonymous farmer to national hero. He proudly showed us an award he'd won, Scotsman of the Year. This is my top Scott award. No, for putting up with all Trump's bullshit. Do you know who... The People's Choice Award for the uh, Scotman of the Year was? That was a poll of a small liquor company where people that were fighting me were ringing, 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 ringing. Anyway, Trump said he had some new awards to show off, too, including one that picked his course as one of the very best in the whole world. The Rob Report, highly respected, last week they came up and they gave this award to me, the best. Best of the best. That's even better, the best of the best. You're right. But today, many here see the project as a failure. It hasn't generated 
the 6,000 jobs Trump promised, but a total of about 150. As for the condos, homes, and hotel, well, they're still only ideas on the drawing board. He didn't deliver or come anywhere near delivering uh, on the promises and commitments he made. And, you know, there comes a gap between the, the boasts and the reality, uh, which is just too far to bridge. But for Alex Salmon, the real concern is what Donald Trump could do next. You said he is singularly unsuited to be president of the United States. Based on my experience, and this is entirely about my experience, I am saying that just about the last person I would want to see in the White House is the Donald Trump. Just how unpopular is Donald Trump around these parts today? Well, when Trump recently proposed temporarily banning Muslims from entering the U.S., that gave the people in Scotland an idea. Ban Trump from entering their country permanently. It became the largest petition to the Westminster Parliament in the history of online petitions. To keep him out of the United Kingdom. Yes. He wants to ban all Muslims. We just want to ban one Donald. That's right. I mean... There are some things that Scotland does not want to be associated with. And Donald Trump right now represents many of these things. We tried to find out what Donald Trump thought of the former first minister's less than complimentary remarks. A Trump staffer told us that Alex Salmond is, quote, a laughingstock and a joke, and that Trump still plans to finish the project he promised and might have already done it if Salmon and his government hadn't wasted so much time fighting with him. Donald himself was not available for a sit-down interview with us. He was too busy at the moment, we were told, on other matters. We're going to make America great again, greater than ever before, okay? Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Welcome back. Now joining me, he's a celebrated author. You can find his work in the Washington Post and Golf Digest. He's been writing about golf for years. John Feinstein. John, thanks so much for joining us. Max, my pleasure. Good to talk to you. So John, we just heard a story specifically about Aberdeen, but that's only one golf course that that bears Trump's name. How big is his footprint in the game of golf? Well, he owns a total of 17 golf courses. Uh, he has built and designed a couple of them, like the one in Aberdeen, or been involved in the design. Uh, there's a, a public course in New York City called Ferry's Point uh, that has been spoken very highly of. But most significantly, he owns Turnberry, uh, which has been an open championship site, to use the proper term the British prefer. We in, in this country tend to say British Open. Uh, and because of his ownership at Turnberry, uh, they have not returned, the, the Royal and Ancient Golf Club has not returned to Turnberry since 2009. It's not just controversy that's found Trump in Turnberry or Aberdeen. Recently, the PGA of America made an announcement. What was that announcement and what were the implications? Well, the PGA Championship uh, was scheduled to be played at a Donald Trump course in Bedminster, New Jersey. That golf course also hosted uh, the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, the U.S. Golf Association, separate entity from the PGA of America, awarded that tournament to that golf course in New Jersey. And there's a golf course here in Virginia that Trump owns 
that hosted a PGA Tour event, the Senior Players Championship, a couple of years back. So you're talking about three different golf entities, PGA of America, U.S. Golf Association, PGA Tour, all of whom awarded events to Donald Trump-owned golf courses. And after the events of January 6th, when the incursion of the Capitol occurred, the PGA of America, which has been far more supportive of Donald Trump in general, as most American golf entities tend to be, took four full days before announcing that they would not, as scheduled, take their championship to uh, Trump golf course in Bedminster, New Jersey. Um, and when they did finally get around to saying, we're not going to go there, they were very careful to say, this is simply a business decision. This is not a political decision. What does it say that it took the events of January 6th that the Capitol for the power brokers of golf to make this type of decision? Well, it says that the leadership knows its membership. Uh, most PGA professionals who are club pros, guys who give lessons and sell sweaters and sell golf clubs are right wing. I also know from having covered golf on the tour for almost 30 years that if the election had been held in November, just among guys who play PGA on the PGA tour, Trump would have won in a landslide. And what are the implications for Trump and his business of these decisions? Is it simply a financial blow to lose the PGA of America? Or do you think for him it's more personal? Oh, it's absolutely personal. I mean, I don't think I'm revealing anything to say that Donald Trump has a, a massive ego and is and he has said through the years that he wanted his golf courses to host major championships. The PGA championship, which he was scheduled to host next year, is in fact one of the four major championships, and it would have been a big deal for him. Some have suggested that the loss of the PGA angers him almost as much as losing the election. Could that possibly be true? Have you heard that? I have heard that, yes. I, I've heard people whose opinions I respect who cover golf uh, say that. And I've even heard people say it, it hurts him more than losing the presidential election. I don't think that's true. Uh, but what Donald Trump's ideal would have been would have been to remain president until 2024 and then go off and just host major championships and golf tournaments at his golf courses uh, and and can constantly say that the 17 greatest golf courses in the world are the ones he owns because that's the way he is. As we sit here today, John, what's the state of his golf enterprise in Europe at Aberdeen and Turnberry? Are they the gems he's promised? What's their outlook moving forward? Well, Turnberry is one of the gems. Uh, in Scotland. I, I've played the course. I've covered open championships there. Of all the courses on the regular Scottish uh, Brit British Open Rota, it is without question the most scenic. It's spectacular. Uh, people who have played the course since the Trump renovation say very good things about it, say it's even better now uh, than it was before. Normally, Turnberry would be in the Rota of golf courses they use and would have the event approximately every 10 to 12 years. And uh, after the events of January 6th, the Royal and Ancient put out a pretty stern statement saying, we have no intention of going to what is now called Trump Turnberry uh, anytime in the near future. I've never seen Aberdeen in person, so it'd be difficult for me to speak to it uh, as a golf course. 
Uh, I have not heard anybody say, wow, it's really great in spite of all the political issues that Trump had to d- deal with. And I think I speak fairly confidently in saying it'll never host a British Open. He's sunk hundreds of millions of dollars into those two courses. Allegedly. In, in Europe. Do they turn a profit for him as far as we know? What I have read, and I'm no business expert, is that no, that they have never turned a profit. And of course, COVID-19 has hurt them even more, which it has hurt a lot of businesses. But um, what I have heard is that no, it, it, it neither golf course has turned a profit. And the fact one of the things that helps a golf course like Turnberry would would help any golf course is to be selected to host a major championship. The best example of that is Bethpage Black on Long Island, which is a public golf course. And the USGA took the U.S. Open there in 2002 and the greens fees for Bethpage Black after it hosted the Open for the first time, it hosted it a second time, it'll host a Ryder Cup in four more years, went from $35 around to for out-of-state people, $150 around. So just do that math. You said that the PGA, the Royal and Ancient, they maintain that these are not political decisions. But some of it seems political, right? I mean, there are cities in the U.S., most notably New York and Mayor Bill de Blasio, trying to get Trump's name taken off of courses. You mentioned Ferry Point, a very renowned, well-known course. Is, is this political in your mind, at least to some degree? Is it cancel culture run amok? Well, I don't think cancel culture has run amok. Um, but I, I do think that I think it's different in Europe than it is here. Uh, if you looking at the piece that Bernard Goldberg did back in 2016, uh, it's, I mean, they actually had a bill before parliament that would have banned Trump from the entire country. That's how he was thought of by many people over there because of their interactions with him. And it was interesting to hear the first minister of Scotland, who was once a huge Trump supporter and supporter of the Aberdeen Project, call him every name in the book uh, on camera. Uh, And so I, I think it's different over there because, as I said, over here, there are still a lot of people involved in golf, in the business of golf, whether it's as club pros whether it's people who are on the boards of directors of, of various entities or players on tour themselves who still support Donald Trump. So uh, it, it's, it is very different over here. I think it will be much more difficult for him to pursue the golf business in Europe than it will be here. I can see in the next year, two years, three years, hard to say what the time frame will be, various golf entities coming back and saying, well, you know, Donald Trump hadn't done anything wrong since uh, January 6, 2021. So let's let's get back into business with him. And a lot of players will be all in favor of that. You wrote a piece recently in the Washington Post that said Trump isn't going to take this lying down. He won't leave the game quietly. But in practical terms, John, what can he do? What will he do? Yeah, that's it's a very good question. And, and I think at some point he's going to show up again on the golf landscape, whether it's to go back to the PGA of America and say, okay, you made your point about 2022. Um, but how about giving me uh, a PGA, the next one you can award, which is probably, I think 2028 at this point, uh, or a Ryder cup. Well, the Ryder cup is committed in the U S through 2036. So that wouldn't be probably wouldn't be during his lifetime, but who knows? Um, so, but at some point he's going to try to get back in. 
uh, he'll go and, and, and buy another golf course that, that has staged events, something like that. Uh, he's not just going to go away quietly. I mean, when has Donald Trump ever gone away quietly? I mean, he's still claiming he won the election. Um, so I don't expect at some point, I don't know when he doesn't consult with me very often. The specter of Donald Trump will rise again. I don't know if you're a, a gambling man, John, but I'm if not, I would be broke if I was. <laughs> well, if you were to lay a wager on Trump's prospects in the future in golf versus in politics, uh, what do you think is the safer bet? Where do you think he has the brighter future? Golf, for sure, because he still has the majority uh, in golf. He did not have the majority uh, in November in politics. And I, there are still a lot of people out there who support him. I understand that. Um, but in golf, like I said, if he were to run for election and only professional golfers could vote today, he'd win easily. But is there a chance that for those other reasons you mentioned, the, the national perception of him, that the PR considerations, the political considerations for the leadership of the PGA and the RNA and the USGA might mean that a lasting divorce from Trump is, is, is possible. I think it's possible. And I think, you know, some of it's going to depend on how he carries himself as an ex-president, because there's no, there's no question at this point, if any of the golf organizations were to announce any kind of business deal with Donald Trump, the, the criticism would be massive. That's why the PGA of America, after hiding for four days, um, finally came out and said, okay, we're going to move the, the event uh, in 2022. But at some point I could see, it could be a year down the road, probably too soon, but um, two, three, four years down the road, I could see Trump being welcomed back into golf circles. John, thank you so much. My pleasure, Max. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's Real Sports podcast. We'll be back with a new episode following the premiere of the next Real Sports on February 23rd. And a quick reminder to everyone listening, you can watch all recent episodes of Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO Max. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next time. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or shoot that, shoot that. And even checkouts not until four. So because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.